Lucas Progressively Worse, Episode 5. My name's Brandon. And my name's Kyle. And we're here today with an exciting guest for all of you. Joining us today is Larry Sharp. For those of you who don't know Larry, he's a libertarian political activist, politician, and podcaster. Perhaps most impressive of all was his 2018 New York gubernatorial campaign in which he got over 95,000 votes. So without further ado, help us welcome Larry Sharp to the show. Hello, Mr. Sharp. Hey guys, how are you? I'm so happy that you guys have me on. Yes, and thank you for acting like what I did in 2018 had value. I appreciate it. It makes me feel good. You know what? As someone who's very uh, empathetic to independent politics, what you did definitely did have value. We're not pretending. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's difficult when you're trying to make any type of move against a juggernaut that is a two-party system. It's very challenging to do. And, you know, you, you have to look at your victories in a different way because the odds of you actually having victory are slim. You're looking more for impact more than anything else, and it can be very challenging. Well, I, I think you had an impact. So our, our first question, so obviously we talked about already in 2018 you ran for governor and you got over 95,000 yep. votes, um, and that earned the Libertarian Party of New York ballot access. So then you attempted to run in, again in 2022 with that ballot access, but things didn't yep. quite work out. Why, why was that? Oh my God, it was a, a terrible <laughs> uh, story. Uh, what actually happened, and many people don't know this, which is the, the funny part, is that the state decides on whether or not you can be on a ballot. That's what ballot access actually means, right? You might think, well, Larry, just run for office and I'll vote for you. No, they will literally stop you from being on a ballot. So your name can't be on a ballot. Even recognizing that there is no harm to having more people on a ballot, right? Five, six, eight, ten people, who cares? California, when they do their, their runoff thing, they have like 35, 40 people on the ballot. So what? Just don't vote for me. In 2018, millions of New Yorkers did that. So they decided that that was a bad idea because they saw that in New York, third parties were starting to have some actual impact on the race. In New York State specifically, the unaffiliated are now more than the Republicans by almost a million. So Republicans are now the third party in New York State if you count unaffiliated as a party. Not just that, I was polling at 6%, which for an unknown guy who wasn't on the ballot was insane. I was polling at 6% before I even announced. That's how popular I was. So they had to make sure that I couldn't get on the ballot. And they did a very good job of it. After I got ballot access in 2018, which meant we were officially a party, and now anyone local could run if they wanted to as libertarian. For the past... 100 years, it had always been a rule in New York State that if the governor candidate got the amount of votes, then that party the governor candidate run under, ran under would be a party for the next four years. They just decided randomly, no, we're going to change the rules a year or two in. They just changed the rules a year Did in. Did they, like, they give like a reason for that, or was they, were they really just like, eh, we don't want you on there? They, the, the reason was uh, we can do what we want. I'm not even joking. That is literally the rules, and the judges agreed to that. That's the shocking thing, is that New York State judges, the embarrassment that New York State judiciary is, and if you happen to be listening and you're a judge, you suck by default because you're a judge <laughs> in New York State. Just so you understand that, if you're listening, you suck by default. Um, they literally said, yeah, the, the state can do what it wants. And so we sued them. And what they did was, so you'd be clear what they did, you had to get 15,000 signatures, over the course of seven weeks in the summer. 
Now, that isn't that hard to do, and people could do it. It was challenging, but it could be done. The summer is where you have a lot of a lot of affairs and such, and seven weeks gives you more time to get enough people out there. It was challenging. Not everybody could do it, but it could be done. I thought, and most people did thought, it was fair. And it was fair because we had third parties in New York State, and we had them for over 80 years. They said, well, it's too fair. We don't want Larry Sharp and people like him on. So they literally tripled the amount. They went from 15 to 45,000. They went from seven weeks to six weeks, and they moved it into the spring to where we have snowstorms. Literally making it impossible. And when I say impossible, that's not hyperbole. Literally impossible. How do I know that? I couldn't make it. A multimillionaire guy worth $40 million couldn't make it. A sitting congressman with the Republican Party behind him couldn't make it. Nobody made it for the first time in 80 years. How do they expect any average person, if if all these people can't make it, how would they ever expect someone like, just a random person like me to ever be able to really run for office? The judge literally said in court, on record, no, 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 the whole point of this is to make sure nobody gets in the ballot who can't win. The judges were totally in cahoots with everything. And I made a constitutional argument. My argument was every year, every two years in New York State, Half a million New Yorkers vote third party, recognizing that third party is not going to win. So why would they get out of their beds, go around and vote? It is by default a protest vote. It is saying I'm against the two-party system. It is political speech. If you don't put me on a ballot, you are taking away the First Amendment rights of half a million New Yorkers. And one judge said, Larry Sharp never made a constitutional argument, even though I literally did in both oral and written. Did not matter. He lied and nobody cared. Another one just wouldn't let me speak. Others said, I don't care. And then to be clear, just to make sure you don't think I'm crazy, 6 million people, 6.5 million people voted in 2018. In 2022, 6 million voted. Literally half a million people didn't show up because there was no independent party on the ballot for the first time in 80 years. New York State literally took away the rights of half a million New York State voters and didn't care at all. The judge, we, we actually sued we were in court nine times, state and federal, seven appeals, and lost all of them. We spent probably fifty to $100,000 on lawsuits. The Republican parties, they're the ones who sued us, Republicans did. They spent about $100,000 suing us back, and they won. They sued me only. By the way, I was the only one sued in federal court, in state court, in civil court, I'm sorry, in civil court, and I lost. So why, would they, why did they sue you and not the Libertarian Party itself or any other Libertarian number? I'm the only one that mattered. I want to be clear on this. I was polling in December of 2021 before I announced at 6%. In New York State, a state that's three to one Democrats or Republican, I'm a libertarian. They polled again trying to get people to stop voting for me even though I wasn't on the ballot. They polled again in October. October, I was not on the ballot. I'd already lost all of my lawsuits. I was not going to be the ballot. I pulled that 3%. All right, so with this conversation in mind, that brings me into our next question. And as you've stated, the institutions here, not just in New York, but across the entire country, are very uh, favoring Republicans or Democrats. What reforms do you think we could put in place in order to make it more viable for third parties like libertarians? There are so many reforms, right? So many. Off the bat, I think there are, there are three things. I call it the program, B-R-O program. B, 
easier ballot access. It should not be easy to get in the ballot. I understand you don't want 40,000 people. You don't want every crazy guy or gal on the ballot. I get it. But it should be that if you have any type of following locally, you should be able to get your name on a ballot. So simpler ballot access. So something like, you know, um, if you want, people might say, well, Larry, is 45,000 signatures too much in a state of 18 million? It isn't. But then give me three months to get it and let me do it in the summer. We can do it. If you think 45,000 signatures is a good number, I'm okay, but make it in a way that people can actually do it. How it works now is to get 45,000 signatures, you actually have to get at least 50 or more because they will literally sue you and look for every single um, mistake you might make on every single piece of paper. So you have to get 50,000 in five weeks because it, take, it takes one week to prep, one week to prep all the stuff and you put it in a very special way. So that's, that's literally 10,000 signatures a week. Five, that means 10,000, um, I'm sorry, that means 2,000 a day. The, a great person gets 100 a day, signatures a day. And so maybe average you get 25 or 50. I have to have 40 friends who can take off for five weeks and work 10 hours a day for five weeks. That's impossible. That's impossible. Or I can pay people. And in New York State, you have to pay by the hour. You can't pay by the signature in New York State. It's against the law. And to do that, it's at least 20 to $25 per hour, which means now I'm dropping several thousand dollars per day for 50 days. Who has that kind of money? So make it easier so that if you could raise a couple thousand bucks and you got a dozen people, you can get in the ballot. That's not crazy to do. So number one is ballot access. But part of that is judges should always err on the side of letting the person on the ballot. That should be what they err on. They err on the opposite. If there's anybody to throw you off, they throw you off. It should be the opposite. They should be told, no, Unless there is obvious harm, let them on the ballot. Unless there's obvious fraud, let them on the ballot. Why wouldn't you? There is no harm in being on the ballot, just don't vote for the person. Second is R, that is ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting is an ins a very good way of making things happen. How do I know this? Because in New York City, we do it. But we only do it for the, for the, for the Democratic primary. Because oh, only Democrats get to have cool ranked choice voting. Nobody else does. We know all about ranked choice voting, and I hope the O is open primaries because we, that's we exactly about, what it is. Yes, yeah. it is. We talk about yes, that it on is. Show a lot. We're, we're huge supporters of that. There are people who know me in person who get angry with the amount of times that I bring up ranked choice voting <laughs> as an alternative to uh, plurality voting. Yes, I mean literally, the, the the Libertarian Party basically does that as as norm. It's what we do normally when we pick our our nominees. We that's what we do. It it, it is our way. So yes, um, we are big fans of ranked choice voting. It is the better way of doing things. So 100% on board, 100% on board. I think we need to. So ranked choice voting is second because the problem, the, the thing that people don't realize about ranked choice voting is ranked choice voting allows you to have both an offensive and defensive vote, right? People always talk about the idea, well, Larry, I can't vote for you because then other guy wins. Okay, no worries. But ranked choice voting, you get to rank who you want to win. So you said he is, uh, who, who you support. So let's say you're a Democrat and you're afraid of the Republican. Okay, no worries. You can offensively vote for me and then defensively rank the Democrat as second. So if I win, life is good. You, you, you've got the guy you want. But if I lose, your vote goes to the Democrat. So you've blocked the Republican because you hate the Democrat. I mean, because you hate, the, you hate the Republican, you blocked him. So it allows you to have both offensive and defensive voting. And the idea that I can't vote for you because other guy will win or I'll throw my vote away, that argument goes away. But you might go, but Larry, it doesn't mean you'll win. You're right. 
it does not mean I'll win, but it does mean people will know exactly how much influence I had, which means other people now who do win have to care about what I'm saying. And I know that matters because in my specific race in New York State, you know, Kathy Hochul won. Her inaugural address literally had my talking points from my website on it. And I'm not making that up. Literally, she used my talking points verbatim. You can check if you want to. It's, this is true. Of, of my website was in her inaugural address. She had to pay attention to me because she knows I have impact. And there are people who are saying, I'm not voting for you because I wish I had a Larry Sharp on the ballot. So if you have ranked choice voting, you'll know how much impact I actually had even if I lose, which means now the winner has to at least not ignore me. And that's important. So now people who want specialized parties or specialized issues will have some say, and that matters. And, and a, a big thing when I talk to people about ranked choice voting is they mostly see it as just a way to avoid like vote splitting. But from what research has shown is that with issues like ranked choice voting, it not only increases uh, political uh, voter out um, crap voters going out to the polls, but it also increase, uh, decreases issues like polarization. And I think that's really yes. important, especially for third parties. I, I, one thing I really like about ranked choice voting is it forces people to, like, from different backgrounds and different parties to have to kind of make compromises, right? Like, rank this person second. And, and yes. because of that, it just makes everyone so much more civil. We don't get things like Trump versus Biden. We get things like 25 candidates who are all way more agreeable. I, I, I love ranked choice voting. I think in the election... Agree, so. It's a big deal. I completely agree. I think we have to talk about it more, and I think it is happening. I think it uh, didn't Nevada just pass something. I think Maine passed something. There's a, a bunch of states have done some stuff. I'm, I'm not. I wish I was more up on what's happening locally. I mean, uh, across the country, I'm much more worried about New York State, obviously. Um, well, but I know it ha it has been on the move recently. With Nevada, they have to pass it twice, like because it's a, that that's their ballot initiative law there. But they passed it one of two times, so it, it's looking very promising. Oh, good. That is great. I'm very happy to hear that. So, yeah, so um, I think it is on the move. I think it is the future, which is why we have to start building out third parties now. Because the one thing that we generally don't have with third parties is infrastructure. Right? That's the one thing we tend to not have. And we need it to move a campaign forward. I know I run more than one campaign. Uh, you, you have to be able to have infrastructure. So that's why I'm all about trying to build up the infrastructure now so that we have enough people. What most third parties lack believe it or not, is talent. And the, and last thing, we don't have talented people. A lot of uh, independent parties have talented people. They don't have enough talented people. They run so, short. So we've definitely seen, for lack of a better term, a lack of success in libertarian candidates, especially on the national level. Do you think the libertarian party should continue to put up these candidates for higher office, or do you think they should try a different approach going forward? 100%. You know, what we have to realize is, that, and this goes, if, if you're any independent party, you should be thinking this way. The number one thing you have to be able to get is ballot access. That's, you can, if you can't get on the ballot, it is irrelevant. You've got to be able to get on the ballot or no one can vote for you. Right now, the Libertarian Party is the only party that has any chance of getting 50 state ballot access in 2024. Right? No other party is, going to be able to get, is, is really going to be able to get it unless, unless they somehow recruit me for New York State. Right? The only way New York State's getting ballot access is through a guy like me who's popular enough who can raise enough money. It's going to cost half a million dollars and a year of someone's life to get ballot access in New York State. So whoever does that is going to be the person who gets that. So that's number one, ballot access. You've got to run top of the ticket to get people to know who you are because most states require top of the ticket to gain ballot access. 
So the reason why you want to run a governor candidate or a presidential candidate or whatever candidate is so you can get on the ballot for the bottom of the ticket. Local has the best chance of victory, right, without question. But the top of the ticket has the best chance of gaining ballot access and something else of gaining press. What I did in 2018 when I got ballot access for the Libertarian Party in 2018, in 2019, I crossed the state a second time and I was supporting local candidates. We had 107 Libertarian victories in 2019. Most people don't know that. That was the second reason why they got rid of me, because I was actually making impact. I took the press that I got in 2018, all the local people knew who I was, and I then went around supporting local candidates when I wasn't running, doing events for them, raising money for them, doing press events for them, and we had hundred. We went from zero Libertarians to 107 in one year, and the next year they removed ballot access, and we weren't a party, and they were all gone. So yes, they must run these candidates, but not for the idea of winning. They must run the candidates to gain ballot access and to gain press. You do that, you move, I mean, think about the Reform Party. Ross Perot made them because he ran for president, right? They didn't, wouldn't exist without him. Think about the Green Party. It was Nader who put them on the map, right? So you've got to get some big name to get ballot access so that local candidates can actually win. So do you think that libertarians should continue to run presidential candidates? Without question. Absolutely, 100%. They must. Gary Johnson in 2016 was the best thing that the Libertarian Party could have done. We got um, 3%, over 4 million people voted Libertarian in, in 2016. That was the largest we'd ever done. More people had heard of us. We had more money coming in. Everything was good. Yes, we just need better candidates. And we sometimes struggle because the reality of it is, do you want to do this? Do you want to run knowing that the odds of your victory are slim to none? And most people don't want to put up with the pain to get not much. And I get it. I'm not mad at them. I get it. It's just hard. Yeah, especially because, like, if you look at a place like New York State, it's so much more just convenient to run as a Democrat, even if maybe ideology, like, ideologically, I can't talk, um, you aren't a Democrat just because you, you get almost a sure victory. And But I feel like that that's a problem because, like, I know a lot of people who are Democrats who probably would be better fits with the Green Party or other parties, but it's, it's just not seen as viable. I actually disagree with you. Um, and the reason why I disagree with you is you make no impact. If you just want to win something, runs Democrat. Makes total sense. But if you actually give a damn, who cares? You can't do anything as Democrat. You keep, first off, you can't win a primary to get on the ballot unless you play the game of the Democratic system, right? You probably can't, or, or unless you're self-funded, you're, you're a millionaire, right? If you're a self-funded millionaire, you'll be fine. But if you're not a self-funded millionaire, you need to play the game or you can't win the primary. So, if, and, if, and to do that, you gotta be one of them, whoever that is. This goes for Republicans too. I'm, I'm saying Democrat because New York City. But, you know, go to Oklahoma, you gotta, play, you gotta run as Republican. And let's say you actually win. Let's say I win as a Democrat in New York City. Great, what am I gonna do? Nothing. I'm stuck caucusing with people who are all establishment Democrats, who don't care about what I want, who don't wanna make an actual change. So, what difference does it make? I have to, we have to break duopoly. And then they'll throw me out as soon as I open up my mouth and say something they don't like. So I'll be removed again. So I disagree. I think the only way to make impact is to constantly push forward as third party, break the duopoly, and eventually we win. Now, people have asked me, Larry, you're all passionate. You're going to save the world. I don't think I am. Look, I hope I save the world. That'd be amazing. But I don't think I am. Can I be the guy who sets it up to be saved? Yes. I think I can be that guy. I can be the guy who sets it up for, you know, whatever. Maybe Brandon, you come in and save the world. It's fine. 
but I think I can set it up, but I don't think I'm the guy to save the world. I don't think I can do it, but I can set it up as someone else, and we have to be prepared. Someone's got to prep the beach for the landing, and I'm a Marine. I'll prep the beach. It's fine. Uh, speaking of, you talked about like breaking up the duopoly and stuff. That, that's a lot of what Andrew Yang's been saying. Like, he just Absolutely. Left the Democratic Party to form a new forward party. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's looking promising for the third party space? I am literally the only libertarian that the forward party's endorsed. I was on stage with Yang last year at Freedom Fest. Um, so, yes, um, I'm, I'm big fans of forward, happy to have them on board, glad they're around doing stuff. And I think the reason why forward even has a place is because they see the same thing I see. People do want something different. They really do. They're open to thinking, but they've, they've got to have something going on. Um, I don't know if forward is the answer to be forward with you. I don't know. I do know that Yang has great name recognition. Um, he's got some money behind him now, which is great. It's embarrassing. Libertarians don't have as much money as he has behind him. We really should have done better, but we didn't. Um, so I think there is a chance. I think there is a chance that forward will do very well. I don't know that yet. It depends. I think, I think these ballot access will be the biggest challenge for the forward party. If forward is able to achieve ballot access, I think it'll do well. Otherwise, I think it will struggle. Oh, um, during your run in 2022, you often would host live streams across your social media in which yep. you would be very honest with your supporters on the current status of your race when it's so politically convenient to lie. Why is honesty so important to you? Um, or rather to American politics in general? Why should we I'll, be more I'll, focused on honesty? Like, for instance, we're looking at someone like George Santos who lies to get elected, why should politicians, especially third-party politicians, be brutally honest in how things truly are? It depends upon what they're trying to achieve. If you're, and I'm, and this, I'm gonna be very forward with you. If your goal is just to win, lying is absolutely the best answer. I'm not even joking. It's statistically the right answer. Just lie. If your goal is just to win, just lie, don't worry about it, no one will care. Sanos is the perfect example of that, just lie. If you're, if your answer is to build a movement and to make something for the future, people have to trust you. Trust is built through vulnerability. That's how trust is built, through vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable and open with your people if you want long-term. I have people who say, remember, I'm third party. I can't afford to pay people. The vast majority of people who work with me are volunteers. I can't get volunteers lying to them. I can't get, I can't people trusting me by, by lying to them. It's not going to work. So if I want to build something long-term, if I want people to follow me in the future, if I want people to keep growing with me as I fail, if I want to build my movement through collapsing, I must be brutally honest and vulnerable. People will stay with you for that. If I'm just trying to win, I don't care, and I'm just going to screw people over afterwards, lie. They don't care. It's done. You see it, you see it all the time. It's literally the, it's the norm. Another question. Um, in Utah, there was an independent candidate that was running for Senate. and McMullen. Against yeah. Yeah. And that leads me to the question is, do you think that third parties, and especially like libertarians, do you think there would be maybe a benefit in trying to rally behind and trying to get like a seat or two in like the House or a seat or two in the Senate? Because you have independent candidates who are in the Senate, but they more reflect Democrats than they do. So do you think that working, using the popularity, like we said, or like you said earlier about running for presidential platforms, do you think using that popularity and maybe running for like, a competitive house seat or a competitive senate seat do you feel like maybe that could also spread the word of the libertarian movement or the forward movement or whatever um, in order to 
expand your voter base or show people that there's a third option available to them? I think there are, there are two pieces of this that, that matter um, with McMullen in Utah. Piece number one is what I was trying to do when I ran um, in New York, which is in Utah, it's four to one Republican and Democrat. In New York, it's three to one Democrat, Republican. The Republican, the Democrats in Utah finally figured out, don't bother running anybody. We can't win. Who cares? Don't bother running. What are we doing? So they said, we're not going to run anybody. Instead, we'll get behind this independent guy. Because in Utah, the, the D, the Democrat, it's, a, it's toxic, right? Republicans aren't going to vote for him. So they got an independent instead. And they got a bunch of people behind them. And McMullen actually had a chance at beating Lee. He didn't, obviously. But Lee won his last election by like 40 points. So there should have been no chance of him losing. But there actually was. If you remember, Mike Lee was actually scared for a bit. He was worried he might actually lose that race to McMullen. So I was thinking the same thing. In New York State, why are Republicans even running anybody? A Republican hasn't won a statewide election in New York State. Nothing. Not governor, not senator, not lieutenant governor, not, not um, attorney general, nothing. In 22 years. And the state's just getting bluer, not redder. In my district, in the last 22 years, my district, they've run a Republican one time in 22 years. I mean, even run. And when he ran, he lost by 70 points, 7-0. He lost 85 to 15 in the past 22 years. One guy ran. So I was like, let's all get together on the independent body, body and coalesce and we'll get together and run. I think this is a good strategy for any independent party, whether it's forward, libertarian, independent, doesn't matter. Imagine if you had a forward candidate in a, in a state that's heavily Republican, heavy Democrat, and now that forward candidate doesn't have the stigma of the R and D or the D. Right? I know Democrats vote for me. I know that. I've run more than once. We've seen the data. We've done um, exit polling. We've seen people who've been on my page. About 40% of people who vote for me are registered Republicans, and about 25% are registered Democrats. That's huge. It's, that's almost a, 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 a third, a third, and a third crossover with independents, Democrats, Republicans. It's close. And in this state, that's amazing. That's enough to win. So piece number one, yes, you should be coalesc um, coalitioning as McMullen did. But two, should you be running any place? Yes, 100%. Every victory is good. You know, libertarians, we had, um, we had a, um, a Wyoming state um, assemblyman for a while. We did have one. He lost, sadly, last time. But we had one. The problem is, if you can't gain momentum, they go away. And that's what happened. The, um, the guy in Wyoming, the Republicans ganged up on him and got rid of him. We had a libertarian in Riverside, California. Democrats got around him and got rid of him. So... You get a victory, but you've got to be able to build upon it. Otherwise, it's a one-time thing, and the establishment crushes you. I found that out in New York. I made real impact in 2018. They all got together, crushed me in 2022. The duopoly is our enemy. The elites of the duopoly are our enemy. Without question, that is our enemy. So if we do what you just said, yes, but you now have to, you can't bring the ladder up. Everyone's got to come in behind you. And it can't just be, I'm going to be a great congressman. They will remove you. It doesn't matter if you're a good congressman or not. They, they don't care if you're effective. That means nothing. Are you in the red or the blue team? And if you aren't, they will get rid of you. So yes, as long as you keep growing. All right. Well, before uh, we get off, I want to ask you one more question. What's next sure. for Larry Sharp? What are we going to see uh, Larry Sharp doing in the future? Uh, I am going to go out of my way to gain ballot access for an independent party in New York State in 2024. That is my goal. and be raising money for it, finding the right people to get the right um, uh, signatures for it. That is my goal. New York State needs to have an independent party. 
Um, so I am going to build that in 2024. I'm going to raise money and make it happen. I am not running for office in 2024. I am running for ballot access to get ballot access in 2024 for a presidential candidate because I need a, I need a, I need to find a presidential candidate that can get 130,000 votes. That's New York State law. If I need to find that candidate who can get 130,000 votes and get them to get those number of votes in New York State so that New York State can have an independent party. That is what's coming for Lyra Sharp. Well, that's law until they change it again. It doesn't matter. Right? At, at the, the issue is, at one point, they will have it. They, they, they can change it. They can. But they can't change it um, for the next upcoming run. So okay. what that means, if I gain ballot access, I will gain it for the next run. And if I can gain ballot access for 2026, I can run for governor again in 2026. And if I run for governor in 2026 with ballot access, oh, man, will that be amazing. And in this plan to get ballot access, do you plan on working with any of the other third-party movements, or is this strictly a libertarian? At the moment, it's libertarian, but I'm open to anything. I mean, I need to, I need to get ballot access. I, I would be open to working with any party, but at the moment, libertarian, because libertarians want me right now. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining our show. Of course. Glad you guys. And if uh, anybody wants to know more about me, please check out Larry Sharp. It's Google Larry Sharp. It's Sharp with an E, and the E stands for electoral. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, promote you as we can, too. And we wish you a lot of luck going forward with your ballot access thing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.